This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual, with me in studio... My co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you this morning? Good, Wally. How are you this morning? I'm great. Thanks so much. Uh, looking forward to the show. Uh, there's a, We'll be talking, obviously, some hockey and some soccer and uh, all things football, uh, horse racing maybe. But we're going to start off with one of the world's great sporting events, which is coming up this Coming Saturday in Kiev uh, in the Ukraine, uh, and uh, from this side of the pond, we don't realize how important Champions League soccer is uh, to the rest of the world, especially in Europe. Uh, It is the singular most watched annual sporting event in the world. Three to four hundred million people are always watching it, and uh, Champions League soccer is this year... The return of Real Madrid, hoping to go for their third straight title. And, and this year, the uh, the adversary for Real will be uh, Liverpool. Liverpool, the Big Red, as they're called. Uh, the Reds, uh, they've got also this year one of the world's great soccer players. Uh, been below the radar screen for a few years, but uh, in this particular season, in this particular run, He's put himself in the conversation as a top soccer player in the world. Uh, a lot of people aren't aware of him, Mohamed Salah. And uh, so it should be an outstanding, outstanding Champions League finals. They usually are. Uh, some Champions League tends to be more exciting than the World Cup. You've got the world's best soccer players playing at the club level. And we're pleased to talk about uh, to about, talk about uh, world soccer, Champions League soccer this morning. And Nez, I will turn it over to you to make this introduction. Uh, there's a special uh, special person who's a fanatic uh, Liverpool fan, somebody close to you. I'll let you do the Matt introduction. Matt Marchese. Matt, how are you? <laughs> How's it going, guys? Uh, that wasn't that great of an introduction. Your dad's a little bit shy, Matt. So, That's okay. We we had dinner last night. I think the Mexican food kind of slowed him down. This <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to give you a proper introduction. Uh, you do have uh, uh, a passion for all things red Liverpool, but you're also an astute uh, gentleman in the world of sport. You are the uh, you are the producer at Primetime Sports at the Fan, so you're just not uh, a guy off the street. You'd certainly know your sports and you know your soccer and you're a passionate Liverpool fan. Uh, so well. Welcome to the show, Matt. Uh, we're pleased to have you. Uh, your dad's a uh, he's his is the the blush on his face is about as red as his Alabama uh, mm. 
uh, is Alabama sweatshirt right now. So I told them to stop wearing that sweatshirt. <laughs> We're a Notre Dame family, Wally. Well, listen, Matt, uh, I don't know if you're watching us live streaming this morning, but if you are, uh, I'm wearing my Notre Dame uh my Nor- my Notre Dame sweatshirt this morning, not because there's anything going on in the Notre Dame world, only because it was cold this morning, <laughs> and this thing keeps me warm. Uh, so let's, uh, Matt. You know, Na- uh, your 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 dad tells us your passion for Liverpool. Yeah, oh, uh, Liverpool's okay. Liverpool's obviously one of the great soccer clubs in the world. Tell us a little bit about you're obviously a younger generation, uh, younger generation than uh, your dad and I. How did you acquire this passion for Liverpool? Well, as an Italian, you're not supposed to cheer for anybody in the Premier League. But as a kid growing up, I had a, a fondness for Steven Gerrard. And I played midfield as a, as a kid growing up until I was, you know, 17 years old or whatever. And just the way he played the game, that I, I kind of got attached to it. And he was, he was a fierce leader. He could score. He was a great playmaker. Um, and I just kind of... I kind of gravitated to him, and and eventually became gravitating to Liverpool. Yes, certainly Liverpool over the years has uh, has been an accomplished club, uh, and uh, I'm sure you know all the entire history of of Liverpool. But this is, uh, in some sense, a, a rematch of a, of a Champions League final from uh, 1980-81. Liverpool last time Liverpool met Real in in the Champions League final Liverpool actually won that day it was one to nothing uh for for Liverpool uh there's this great player on Liverpool that sort of caught I wouldn't say everybody by surprise he's been he's been around he's been playing in Italy uh playing in, in other places but this year he had a breakthrough season uh and pe- and and this is of course the Egyptian international uh Mohamed uh, Salah I believe is how do you pronounce it uh tell us a little bit about him and what we can expect to see from him this uh, this coming Saturday So he came in um Liverpool Liverpool brought him in on a transfer. I, I believe it was like thirty-five million, and and he comes in with, you know, everybody thought it was a good signing. Came in from Roma, and he'll fit, you know, Jurgen Klopp's system really well. And and it turns out he fit the system more than really well. He scored forty-two goals combined in the Premier League and Champions League. So he broke the he broke the single season goal record for uh, the Premier League with thirty-two goals notching his last one in the in the final game. And he's just, the one thing about Salah is not only is he maybe one of the fastest players in the world, but he doesn't just score. He creates for for his teammates. He has over ten assists all season. Um which is a I know I know people that, you know, maybe are hockey fans think, well maybe that's not a lot, but in soccer, ten assists in a season is actually quite a lot. And and the way he creates for everybody else opens up space for everybody else. And when you're talking about how good that Liverpool front three is with Salah, Roberto Firmino, and Sadio Mane, he was the perfect complement on that right side. Left-footed, left-footed player, um, and, he, and Klopp likes having those guys play on the opposite side. Because Salah, you know, he'll burn down that right side, cut back, and then play the ball to the far post, whether it's on a cross or a shot. And and all season it's just been a a great pleasure to watch him. He you know he was a guy who didn't really fit in in Chelsea and and Jose Mourinho you know didn't really want to keep him so 
He ends up going off to to Roma, has a really good season. I believe he scored 20 goals in all competitions last year. And then he comes in, and and Jurgen Klopp has this ability to take players that people think, well, maybe they're okay, and turn them into great players. And the only guy that's been better than him this year is the guy who's going to be playing opposite him, uh, which is Cristiano Ronaldo this year. What are the strengths and weaknesses of Liverpool, Matt? Well, offensively, you guys know they're one of the most exciting teams in the world. Forget just the Premier League. And they their counterattack is arguably the best in the world as well. They they have so much speed up front that if you make a mistake, they turn back the other way, and there's almost no catching them. The one thing that, that we know about Liverpool is that they've, they have this stigma attached to them because defensively they're not that great. Since they brought in Virgil van Dijk in the January transfer window from Southampton, he's really stabilized that back line. Now, are they the strongest back line in the world? Not by any stretch of the imagination. But when you look at what they've done in Champions League, you know, they've only allowed 13 goals in, in six matches. And that, that includes, or sorry, 13 goals in, uh, in 12 Champions League games. And that'll include, you know, a four-goal game against Roma that they gave up, you know, a couple goals here, like, a, you know, they gave up three against Sevilla, but they have six clean sheets. The problem is, is I don't know if they're strong enough to withstand the attack that Real Madrid brings. Real Madrid has, you know, Gareth Bale on one side, Cristiano Ronaldo on one side, Isco up the middle. They, they have a lot of attacking options as well. And are guys like Dayan Lovren and Trent Alexander-Arnold, who's only 19, and, and Andrew Robertson on the left side, are they good enough to withstand that attack? I'm not sure. The other problem that, that everybody seems to think they have is in net. Simon Mignolet started the year as the as the first choice keeper, and and he really didn't take he really didn't take the ball and run with it, for lack of a better term. And they turned to Loris Karius, who they brought in last year um, from the Bundesliga, and he was a favorite of Klopp's. And you know he's kind of been the guy for the last half of the season, and he has his moments where he's really good, but he has his moments where he lets in some howlers. So. It all comes down to whether or not Liverpool can kind of withstand whatever Real Madrid is bringing offensively. Uh, we're talking to Matt Marchese. Uh, Matt is, of course, the uh, producer for Primetime Sports and uh, also uh, my co-host, Naz Marchese's son, and he's a passionate Liverpool guy. He's a passionate soccer guy. Matt, uh, last year, and we, you know, you, you, you got into it a little bit here talking about uh, Real Madrid and... Uh, you know the the the, uh, the history of soccer uh, in the last six or seven years has revolved around uh, two places in the world, basically at the club level. In any in any anyways, is Barcelona and and Madrid, and uh, they've dominated soccer at the club level now for six or seven years. And last year. I remember uh, sitting in the studio. Uh, you know, we had we had these tremendous hopes for my for my team, which is uh, which is the Bianconeri, the Juventus, and uh, they were actually almost the favorites going into uh, into the Champions League final last year, and they had it. It was handed to them by Real, and Real um, seems to be able to take their game to a level that no. Perhaps Barcelona being the other team uh, in the last five or six years, and that's my concern for Liverpool. Um, 
is Real, uh, when they want to, seems to be able to take their game to a different level. And um, is that your sense, Matt, that uh, is that what Liverpool's up against? Well, at the end of the day, when you have Cristiano Ronaldo on your team, I think you have every chance to win in any game. He's, you know, even though he's, you know, now in his early 30s, which by soccer age is, you know, ancient, um, he's still the best player in the world. And you look at his supporting cast, they're no slouches. Real Madrid spends a lot of money on these guys, and for good reason. Gareth Bale, quietly, is one of the best players in the world, but nobody talks about him because Cristiano Ronaldo's on the team. The one weakness that I think they do have is in net. I don't think Keeler Navas is, is very good, but you've got to get to Keeler Navas before you can actually do anything. They're, they're, their defense has you know world-class players like Marcelo, They've got Sergio Ramos, uh, Danny Carvajal, um, Rafael Varane. These are all first-choice team players on, you know, Marcelo's from Brazil, Varane's from France, Ramos is from Spain, Carvajal's from Spain. These are all guys that are world-class players in their own right. And, And what a lot of people don't really understand about how good Real Madrid is is what happens in the midfield. And that's where this game will take shape. If Liverpool can somehow control the midfield against Tony Cruz and Luka Modric, then they have a chance. But those two guys are so good at, at controlling the play, and they're so calm under pressure. Like they, they, they just control every aspect of the game, whether it's at the defensive end or whether it's you know whether they're creating plays up front for you know their wingers or their strikers. And I don't know if. I don't know if James Milner, Jordan Henderson, and probably Jorginho Wijnaldum, I don't know if they have enough to control those two guys because they are that good. And people just, they think that that Real Madrid is Cristiano Ronaldo and Gareth Bale and the guys at the back. But their midfield may be the most important part of their game, and that's why they dominate teams so well. Matt, do you expect a shootout game Saturday? I think that... I think that it w- it's it's hard to say because in a one game situation like this, like you kind of have to go for it. And the way these teams play, you think offense, offense, offense. And the likelihood is is that yes, it's going to be an offensive game. And my guess would be that if uh, if Liverpool gets out to an early one nil lead, I would suspect that it turns into a bit of a shootout. If it's Real, I don't expect it to be much of a shootout because they can really lock down defensively if they want to. Um, but if it's Liverpool that gets out, what happens is Real Madrid has to press. So they're going to be going for goals. And on the counter, that's when Liverpool is their most dangerous. So obviously, as a team, you want to get out to a 1-0 lead. But if it does, I, if Liverpool gets out to a 1-0 lead, it'll be high scoring. If it's Real, I don't expect, I don't expect much... Uh, much of an offensive outburst. I think the I think the total goals right now on some of the betting sites are I think it's three, and like I said, Liverpool gets out might be more than that. <laughs> Anyways, we've been talking to Matt Marchese. Matt, we're going to have to let you go. Uh, I'm going to be pulling for Liverpool because uh, um, I, I, the last thing I want to see is Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> showing his six pack around around the stadium. I you know I'm I'm, I'm getting tired of that. I've had to eat crow on the, on the Ronaldo debate, uh, you know, uh, 
I've always uh, I've always been critical, uh, not so much of his talents, but some sometimes about his on-field antics. But there's no denying he is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, player of this generation. Unfortunately, I have to admit that, uh, and uh, I'd love to just see him win without having to show his six-pack to everybody in the world. No I, kidding. <laughs> well, let me. I want yeah. to get one quick. Please, thing in here please, Matt. Go ahead. People don't understand how incredible Liverpool's run has been. I want everybody to remember that they did not directly qualify for the uh, group stage for Champions League because Man U won Europa League and got an automatic berth into the uh, into the group stage. Liverpool did have to qualify by beating Hoffenheim over a two leg um, a two leg you know play in back in August. So they they really started from the bottom and worked their way up in this, and now look where we are. Matt, listen, as your boss says, time is our enemy. Uh, let's. Uh, I thank you so much for no sh- for sharing your soccer expertise, and I'll thank you even more for putting a smile on your dad's face. Thanks so All much, right. Matt. Have a good day, guys. That's fantastic, Matt Marchese. Uh, certainly a passionate uh, Liverpool guy, Naz, and he uh, knows his stuff. And he knows his stuff, no question. And I'm, you know what? It's going to be a fantastic. I, I'm I'm seeing this as a fantastic game this uh, this Saturday. I think they're going to go up and down the field uh, and. Uh, I'm kind of pulling for Liverpool myself. I'm not a Liverpool fan, but I'm pulling for them, too. Anyways, uh, we're going to break. Right back after the break, we'll be chatting with Michael Traco, senior hockey writer for PostMedia.com. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville announced their loyalty program, but some listeners thought I was saying royalty program. To be clear, Pizzaville cannot get you into the royal family. Stop that. However, after your sixth online order, you'll get a large pizza of your choice free with your seventh order. And that'll make you feel like a king or queen. Oh, boy. Find out more at pizzaville.ca. There's an old saying. Entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Bond. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. They're not here to be nice. They're here to be right. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. 
Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. Downtown Toronto broadcasting on 96.7 FM. Internet streaming, video streaming, www.zoomerradio.ca. We're pleased to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour senior hockey writer for the Post Media Network, uh, Toronto Sun. Uh, we're, of course, talking about Michael Trakos. Michael, good morning. How are you? Hey, boys. How you doing this morning? We're doing great. You've been busy, my friend. <laughs> you, you've been... Uh, a lot of air miles. Yeah, you're, you're, you're collecting a lot of air miles, and I'm surmising that, uh, you know, your focus is... Uh, now, we're down to the short strokes in the, in the playoffs. We're getting into the end of the, into the conference finals, and uh, it's starting to get interesting. Anyways, last night... Washington-Tampa. This is a series, of course, that started in one direction and has gone in a different direction. And uh, uh, is this is this series going to seven games, uh, Michael? What's your, what's your sense of what's transpired in this series? And uh, can Washington turn the momentum back around the other way? Yeah, uh, I don't know. I get the feeling that Tampa Bay is really in the driver's seat now. It really feels like they're going to win in six. Um, similar to kind of the first two rounds where they lose the first game by a healthy margin and then just roll uh, four straight. Uh, this one was slightly different. They lose the first two, especially on the road, uh, at home. But then um, since then, you know, I think Washington had a window of opportunity and uh, with each passing game that it's kind of creeped close. Um, and um, last night, Tampa Bay probably played their best game of the series. And now they go back to Washington, literally with uh, Washington's backs pressed right up against the wall. Um, the same ghost of the past that said that Alex Ovechkin and the team um, can't close out a series, uh, um, continually choke. Uh, those same questions are going to be asked right now um, as Washington goes back. And you know, for Tampa, um, you know, I think this is a team that a lot of us picked at the beginning of the season, and right now they're they're showing. The, why we picked them at the beginning of the season. The goaltending has been fantastic. Uh, power plays is uh, rocking and rolling. Um, even their five-on-five, like they got contributions last night from Ryan Callahan, Cedric Paquette, um, shutting down the Ovechkin line, but also scoring um, two goals. And you know, when your fourth line scoring and contributing, um, it becomes a dangerous formula for any team to, uh, to beat them. Does anybody have a better D than Tampa Bay? Tampa Bay's defense is incredible. No, I agree. Uh, with Nashville, it doesn't look like there's another defense that has Victor Hedman on one pair, Ryan McDonough and Anton Strawman on another pair. So it's, it's pretty good. Um, you got some experience there with Dan Girardi and Braden Coburn as well. Uh, like you said, it's... Uh, it's, it's a pretty imposing D, but I think what really kind of stands apart is, like, you look at that fourth line, and I mentioned Ryan Callahan, uh, Chris Kunitz, and Cedric Paquette. That's a pretty good fourth line. That might be one of the best fourth lines in hockey as well. And when you're looking at the offense, um, as well with Steven Stamkos um, having a really good playoff so far, Braden Point playing on another line, um, having just as good of a playoff, and Nikita Kucherov, uh, Yanni Gord, JT Miller, like there's a lot of names there that just pop out at you and that are also uh, contributing. So, like I said, it's uh, Washington's got their work cut out for them. Um, they don't only have to beat Tampa in Game Six, um, but they also have to kind of beat the ghost of their past, which 
know, let's be honest. Uh, prior to this season, this is a team that never got out of the second round. So there's a lot of kind of, um, you know that the players aren't going to say it, but uh, internally there's going to be a lot of questions they're asking themselves and maybe a little doubt. So we'll see how tough this team is mentally. If they can rebound and uh, win game six or seven. But if I'm betting, uh, I think Tampa is going to just um, close up the series on the road and uh, either get Vegas or Winnipeg in the next one. Michael, Chris Kunitz, you brought up. Uh, there's an experienced guy with Anaheim, won a cup in Anaheim, and won two in Pittsburgh. How much does he mean to that team now? Well, I think he's like he hasn't produced a whole lot. I think he picked up his first assist of the playoffs uh, last night. But when you're talking about a calming influence in the dressing room, well, when he dropped the first two at home, um, this is a Tampa team that still hasn't achieved anything in terms of um, they've been to the Cup final, but they didn't beat Chicago that one year. And um, when you've got a guy like Kunitz that can probably calm things down, and I was talking to Steven Stamkos about that, and he said, yeah, this guy has been valuable in that sense that um, when the chips are down for this team, it's Kunitz who says, yeah, yeah, don't worry. we've been, I've been in this situation before, and um, you can get out of this easily. Uh, just stay positive. Just worry about the next one. And yeah, that's kind of talk that maybe falls on deaf ears when, you have no basis for it, but when you're looking at Kunitz, like you said, he's won a cup, won the cup, or won a cup in Anaheim, and then obviously three more in, in Pittsburgh. There's very few players in the NHL that have done that, especially in the last 20 years with the parity that there that exists in the NHL. So uh, this guy's found a way to uh, win championship after championship, and like I said, he's playing a smaller role this year, but uh, I think the role within the dressing room uh, could not be bigger. Um, we're talking to Michael Trakos. Uh, Michael, you know, every time I watch Tampa uh, play and I see Anton Strawman and I say, didn't that guy wear a Leaf uniform at one point? And how, how the hell did he ever leave town is beyond me. But uh, let's not go there. There's a gentleman playing for, young player playing for Tampa, uh, Braden Point. And, you know, I, I see him out on the ice, and he's obviously an NHLer. And if my recollection serves me correctly, he was he was drafted late second round. He's a third rounder, if I'm not mistaken. He's certainly not a – and you see him and you say, what did people miss? Uh, why wasn't he drafted higher when in his draft year? But uh, uh, tell us uh, your observations of Braden Point and how he's making a difference in this series. Yeah, you never know with young guys. And point, yeah, third-round pick. Probably got passed up because of his size, let's be honest, because he was a, a top scorer in the junior. And uh, if you remember, he won a gold um, at the World Junior Championships. And then the following year, he captained the team that Mitch Marner was on and Dylan Strom was on. Um, but obviously disappointed that year in Finland. I think they ended up finishing seventh. And uh, it was revealed afterwards that Point had a, a nasty shoulder injury that just never uh, overcame. Um, but yeah, he, you know, with young guys like him, you never know what you're going to get, especially when it's in their first playoff experience. But this guy's just been just money for them, uh, similar to kind of how Mitch Marner uh, played in this year's playoffs, where um, he, he really kind of continued what he was doing in the regular season. Point's been the same way; um, had a really strong regular season. Went to the All-Star game as an injury replacement, um, and he's really continued that. And what really stands out for me is not just the, the point production. It's in the first round he matched up against the Taylor Hall line and did a great job of kind of limiting them. And in the second round, 
uh, was up against the Patrice Bergeron line and still managed to put up, I think, seven points in that series uh, on a five-game series. So uh, this guy's doing it all, offensively and defensively. And you know, Tampa's got a great young player in there that really is going to be um, up there with the Stamkos's, I think, at the end of the day, and the Kucherovs in terms of um, you can basically count this guy for 70-plus points every season. Uh, Michael, uh, we're going to use some of your air miles now, and we're going to move the discussion a little bit further west. Um, uh, we've had this discussion over the course of the year, and uh, I guess I'm at the point now where I've, I've got to accept that uh, you know that uh, the Las Vegas Knights are going, not going to go easily into the night, uh, so so to speak. Uh, they are within one game of going to the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, and so this, this, so they're they're not catching anybody by surprise anymore. You know, Winnipeg, uh, if they haven't realized they've got something a handful on their hands, and whoever comes, th- uh, you know, Vegas gets through, then Stanley Cup Finals. But I, 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 I've stopped trying to figure out how to explain this story, and uh, so I'll turn it over to you. Um, they have. Found some niche of some kind, and they are, by all accounts, a really good hockey team that is now in the discussion of winning the Stanley Cup, which would be a story beyond stories. The only equivalent I can possibly think of is when Leicester won the Premier League in England a few years back. I, I can't think of anything in my in my lifetime that even compares to, to this uh, to this story. Um, are the Winnipeg Jets done? Are the Las Vegas Knights going to the Stanley Cup final? I hope the Jets aren't done. I hope this is uh, one of those ones that we talk about years from now, uh, the great comeback in uh, in the playoffs, because, I don't know, maybe I'm just a bit of a curmudgeon, but I, I really don't want to see Vegas in the final. I, I don't think it's a good look on the NHL. Um, and I know maybe count me in the minority here, uh, but... Well, I was talking about how great of a story the Vegas Knights are. Uh, I thought it was a great story um, during the regular season, but as these playoffs go on and Vegas is just rolling past teams, uh, I don't think it shows well in the NHL that uh, a team with really, let's be honest, aside from Marc-Andre Fleury, there's not a whole lot there in name talent, and yet uh, these guys are really just kind of blowing past teams with um, players that you didn't expect. And you know, Like I said, if this is happening in the NBA, or Major League Baseball, uh, I think we're kind of almost kind of laughing at just kind of like going, all right, um, this is the league you guys play in where really you can just piece together a team and um, th- there's no rhyme or reason why these guys are winning. And uh, like I said, I don't think it shows well uh, on the NHL product. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'll change my mind when they win the Cup and I'm you know, I'm a big feature on just how great of a story this is, but right now I'm just kind of thinking, you know, I think it'd be better if Winnipeg was there, um, especially with the the way that they constructed their team, with the talent they have, um, sort of that that's the way that it should be. Um, but you know what? Until that happens, you know, Winnipeg's got to find a way to get through. Um, they got to find a way to score against Mark Andre Fleury. They got to figure out a way to not only score against Fleury, but also defend their own net a minute or two after because I think that's the real thing that's been biting them is that mental um, ability to kind of okay you you got you got a goal all right now protect your net because Vegas is such a great uh, counter punching team that um, they've been really killing the Jets that way but 
Yeah, I would love to see Winnipeg kind of uh, come back from 3-1 and um, really put Vegas back uh, on, on its heels. Michael, I agree with you, but uh, you know, like they've 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 been outplayed for all, all every game. They should be should have lost the series for nothing. Vegas, right? But they're they got a goal. They get they called got a goaltending. <laughs> I know it's called goaltending, but does it seem to to you that they get all the breaks? Though it's like all the bad goals are going in on these goalies. These, uh, I, you know, the Winnipeg goalies had a tough time with it. And every goalie that goes in there has a tough time. Is there something to that? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know what they're doing, but yeah, well, you're I, right. I, I'll tell a you. But like, let's be honest. Uh, you take Mark Andre Fleury out of there. And I say this knowing that obviously there was a time early in the season when Vegas literally took Mark Andre Fleury out of the net, as well as Malcolm Subban, as well as maybe even the third string goalie, and they're still winning games. So who knows what I'm talking about here? But um, at the same time, without Mark Andre Fleury in these playoffs, standing on his head, like what does he have a 947 save percentage? 947, like incredible, absolutely insane. Has a 947 save percentage ever in the NHL? Like it is ridiculous, and that's the one saving grace in this. I really like Fleury. I like him as a person. I like his uh, career. I like the fact that uh, the last two years this guy was relegated to the backup role and still kept a smile on his face. Still was a great teammate and. You know, he deserves all the success that he's having. Um, so that's the one kind of asterisk I'll, I'll apply to this. If Vegas does win, I'll be nothing but happy for Marc-Andre Fleury, and I think he's headed to the Hall of Fame, maybe even regardless. So, uh, But 947, like, it's, give him the... You know, I don't care if Vegas doesn't win a game from now on in. Give him the cons, my... <laughs> I, was, I was joking with Wally. You know, this, uh, if they do win it... Uh... Malcolm Subban would be the first Subban to win a Stanley, <laughs> Stanley Cup, and not PK. Could you imagine that? <laughs> Anyways, uh, talking about uh, what what one of the things that Winnipeg Jets have to do is they they can't allow. And they, I think this has happened in two, maybe three of the games. Is you know uh, uh, they score a goal. Winnipeg scores a goal, and then they let Las Vegas come right back up the ice in the next minute and and equalize. And that just that's just so horribly deflating to a team. Um, so they, they they've got to figure out how to keep Vegas off the score sheet after they after they score a goal, especially if they're tying it up. And second of all, you know we talk about Vegas and Mark Andre Fleury, but the reality is they've got a couple of guys that have that that stick out that can actually play pretty good hockey. Uh, one of them's undrafted, and we go back to the I don't know how they find these guys. Uh, I think he came over from Florida, didn't he? Marsh, Marsh, Mar- Jonathan Marchessault. Um, yeah. He you know they picked him up. How Florida lets this kid get away? It, it, you know you, you look at these guys. They, like how you let how you leave that guy off your roster. William Carlson, what would he score? 40, did he score 40 goals this year? Up near yeah, there, did. anyways. He's over 40. 42 yeah. goals. And, you know, he can play hockey. And, you know, so, you know, they've got some talent. There's no question about it. And they've really got to rethink. And, I mean, I've heard the criticism from some of the other general managers is they, that the unfair advantage that, that, that Vegas had is they didn't have to start with 20 to 25 or $30 million of dead payroll which is what a lot of GMs in the NHL are carrying on their books nowadays. But uh, it certainly, I don't disagree with you, uh, uh, Michael. Uh, I don't, uh, you, you've made a really good point that I hadn't thought about, 
which is that it, it is, you know, Vegas goes through and wins the Stanley Cup. You know, there's going to be a lot of people cheering, but there's going to be a lot of people who are going to think it's an embarrassment to the NHL. And uh, we'll see which way that particular story develops. Um, Can I ask one question here? Absolutely. So, Vegas wins. Is David Clarkson and Mikhail Grabowski, do they get rings as well? <laughs> <laughs> They're technically... <laughs> They're part of that team, aren't they? <laughs> are they? Are, I'm sorry. Are they? Are they? Yeah, are they, they, are are they Las Vegas team. Knights? Yes. Oh yeah. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know. I, 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 no, I'm, I'm sure I knew that at one point, but that right. slipped my memory. Uh, when you mentioned dead money, I just thought of. Oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Anyways, go uh, go tweet that one this afternoon. Uh, I'll be there for the parade when Clarkson's back. Michael, I got to ask you one thing about. The arena in Vegas. Is it that much of a hindrance for the opposing team playing in that rink? I, I was there once uh, for the uh, regular season opener um, or home opener, and oh, I, I don't know if it's a hindrance, but that that's a great rink, let's be honest. Uh, they, they know how to um, build kind of uh, performance venues, and it, it gets real loud. Uh, the sound bounces off the roof. It's just a, it's a gorgeous rink in terms of you walk the concourse and there's amazing restaurants. There's a, there's a lot of cool viewing areas. Um, so I don't know. Like, it's similar to Nashville in the sense that um, it's not so much the arena. It's the fact that you've got a lot of fans that are already having a great time in the city. Um, they're probably well lubricated before the puck <laughs> even drops in. Um, by the time the game gets going, um, Vegas has given them plenty of reasons to cheer. So, and, and I think it's a smart crowd because, you, get, you know, let's be honest, like, I don't know how many actual locals are going to the game, but uh, you look in the crowd and you do see other jerseys uh, during the regular season. And um, talk, when I was there, just talking to every fan, there was a lot of transplants or a lot of guys uh, or, or women who had just kind of flown in for the weekend who um, knew the game, obviously, um, and were well-educated. So it, it can be, you know, I don't know if the crowd affects people or the Vegas flu affects people, but <laughs> you, know, you you watch them home and it's obvious that this is a crowd that's really behind their team right from the puck drop. And their pre their pregame ceremony is second to none. And they brought out Wayne Newton. Or, I couldn't even recognize him, to be honest <laughs> with you. I didn't know who that was. But uh, they're either, as you say, Michael, they're either well lubricated or significantly lighter in the wallet. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so does, this, does, does this mean that if Vegas goes to the final, you'd be covering Vegas then? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh I don't know what the final is going to be, but I'll be there. Oh, <laughs> trying to think what's the easier travel plan, and maybe maybe I shouldn't be rooting for Winnipeg. Uh, <laughs> That's what I was saying. Not a whole lot of direct flights out of Winnipeg. Let's be honest. Uh, I got I got a suspicion that uh, if you're covering a Saturday night game in in Vegas, it's very unlikely we're going to be able to get you on the air on the Sunday morning. <laughs> so uh, I, I will leave it at that, Michael. You know how much That's we appreciate. It, uh, you know how much we appreciate you taking the time for us, and uh, I know our li- our listeners really appreciate it as well. Uh, uh, thanks so much for joining us. All right, guys. Enjoy the rest of the, the playoffs here. It has been great hockey, and I uh, hope I can join you guys uh, a couple times more before this is all done. We certainly, uh, we certainly hope so as well. Thanks so much, Michael. Enjoy the rest of your long weekend. All right, thanks. Thanks. That's, of course, uh, Michael Trakos, who's a senior hockey writer for the Post Media Network. And, uh, you know, we've had him on the show quite a few times. He, he writes some really, really great articles and it's uh, picked up in the Toronto Sun and in the National Post. Uh, I consider him one of Canada's great hockey writers, and uh, it's always a privilege having him on the show.
It's time to go to break. We'll be right back after the break. We're going to pick up the soccer talk a little bit more with Canadian Soccer Hall of Famer Carmine Marcantonio. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when I travelled to Italy to explore my Italian heritage. I'm in Modena, birthplace of Pavarotti. When I knocked on my cousin's door, he opened it and said, My long-lost cousin, you finally come home. You must now marry my neighbour's sister. I said I had to get something in the car and never went back. Pizzaville stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal? Yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. There are two ways to argue sports with these guys, and none of them work. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We're pleased to welcome to the show uh, Canadian Soccer Hall of Famer, Carmen and Marcantonio. Carmen, how are you this morning? Hey, Walter, I'm well, thank you. Uh, playing soccer uh, at this uh, halftime, so I just took time off to speak to you guys. Well, we let, we, 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 you know, we, we, as long as you're not running around, uh, we have rules against uh, driving and talking with us, and I don't think I don't think we have a rule about playing soccer and talking with us at the same okay, time. Okay, so I think much. I think we're good. Anyways, yeah, uh, yeah. God bless you. You're still staying in shape, and you're still, uh, of course, uh, as we've had we've mentioned before, you were uh, a Canadian Soccer Hall of Famer. Had a fantastic career in the uh, in the uh, old uh, uh, North American Soccer League, and played with some of the greats. Uh, Eusebio and uh, played with or against uh, Pele and Canali and some of those guys. So and Johan Cruyff and, and Johan Cruyff. So uh, you you've uh, you've been on the pitch, as they say, with some of the greats of all time. So certainly yeah. you have an understanding of. Uh, of, of soccer and what makes a great soccer player uh, and since we're on that topic uh, we had a we had a discussion earlier about uh, about the Champions League final this year and there's two two uh, great great um, there's more than two two great players but the two 
players that are generating the uh, significant interest are Cristiano Ronaldo and the, and the player for uh, Liverpool, uh, Mohamed Salat. Uh, what makes those two particular individuals great players, uh, Carmina? Well, I had uh, one of my best coaches of uh, all time when I was a young man and, and just a pro told me there's uh, three qualities that a soccer player, top soccer player needs. And, what, and it's the skills, you know, feeling for the ball, which means uh, skills. The, those two are very skillful, uh, the ones that you mentioned, Ronaldo and Salah, and feeling for time and space, which, you know, that, that makes it a very intelligent player. And uh, and then obviously God given if you got the speed and the, both of those uh, guys have the athleticism to become uh, you know great players like Messi like Maradona like Cruyff they had all the, the, the speed in soccer is that first step the acceleration uh, of the mark that uh, could beat one or two players and those guys that you mentioned are definitely. A top of their game, and uh, you know this year Salah has been a, a great addition to Liverpool. So that's going to make it a great final, I feel. Uh, Kaidemina, since we're on this topic, I have to ask you: uh, Who is the best soccer player you ever shared a soccer field with, either played with or played against? Oh, without question, uh, Johan Cruyff, because he was still at the top of his game at age 31 when he came to North America from Barcelona. He played, uh, first of all, I was against him uh, again, when he went to Los Angeles at stake at the time. And uh, Johan had the perfect body for a soccer, for a footballer. I like to call him by the right name, a footballer, because he was skinny, you know, he had strong legs, like, you know, built like a trunk in the bottom. And he had like, uh, you know, the Dutch normally have those kind of players. Uh, the, the top body was uh, very elastic and very, very skinny. And he could do everything. You know, Johan uh, was an amazing player. Of course, you mentioned before Eusebio. He was either he became a teammate in 1976 when we won the, the North American Championship. Eusebio was also one of the greatest. You know, the Black Panther. That you know, with uh, in the 60s and 70s, Eusebio and Pelé were the top players. But uh, myself, I should say, Johan Cruyff was probably. The best player that I played against and with as a teammate in the Russian with the Russian diplomats. Uh, so I don't know if that answers your question. It certainly uh, does. Should we yeah. be, Carmen? It's Naz here. How are you? Hey Naz, hi, hi. Good morning to you. Good morning. Well, thank you. Yes, uh, Toronto FC's lost six games so far this year, and they don't look the same. Even though they 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 went through some qualifying uh, or some big games in the Champions League. What do you uh, do? You think they have a bounce back coming, or what's going on with that team? Yeah, Naz, you know what? Uh, it, it, it's hard to, to pinpoint. Well, the problem with TFC is that they lost along the way. They lost players uh, to injuries, key players, and and that uh, they have to make shift uh, lineups. And uh, when you take out the lineup, uh, five, six, seven players that won your championship in, in the last two years, they were you starting. In, in your starting lineup, uh, uh, you know, especially the def- defensively, they, they had uh, really bad luck losing all the defensive uh, backs, you know, center backs. And then they had to put Bradley in the back there as an emergency player to, to fill in in the back. And obviously, with Bradley going back, playing defense, center defender, they lost a lot. They had to put uh, Delgado as a center midfield. So 
there kind of, you know, Greg Vanny had, had a challenge in his hand. And, of course, with that many shifts and that many losses of the uh, you know, players that were in the starting lineup, they, they, they struggle. And, uh, but now they're coming back in. I was at the game, last game, uh, that they won 2-1 against Orlando. Actually, I want to thank uh, the president, Bill Manning, <laughs> because I was, uh, I guess, he's in, in his private box. And, uh, and Bill has done a great job, Bill Manning, the president, and Greg Vanny, because uh, I think they still, TFC, when they get all the players back with Jovink and Altidore, uh, and, and the defensive, slowly they're getting players uh, back. Last time, um, last game, Mwinga was back in the center. In the center. So was um, another player, I forget his name now, the, the tall American boy there. Uh, but, you know, they looked a lot, uh, with Bradley back in midfield, they looked mm-hmm. a lot more in balance. They won a great game. I think they're going to need to win the next game that they play at home against, I think, I believe it's Dallas. And they're going to be back in the mix. If they're going to be back in the mix, they're going to make the playoffs. They could go a long way if they get all the, all the uh, starting players uh, back in the lineup. Kainman, I want to ask you, um, what, and, I, and I want you to be blunt with us. Um, Jovenko, uh, he's, he, you know, he's, he's probably been the most valuable player in MLS soccer for the last, certainly was voted the most valuable player one year, but it's probably been their marquee player. Certainly, uh, you know, David Vila and uh, Abramovich in L.A. and uh, there's some others. But Jovenko's been their most marquee player for the last three years. And he's falling into this habit, uh, or he, he's come over with, the, you know, he, he's always complaining about um, referees' calls or more so non-calls. Uh, he got red-carded the game before. Um, you know, you know, and he has this reputation, perhaps, of of taking a little bit of a dive now and then. Uh, and he seems like he gets mentally unfocused and gets taken out of games by the other team. Is that a fair criticism of him, or is that a criticism of the referees in North American soccer who don't protect the star players, perhaps the way they should? And anybody who takes down a star player in the first 10 minutes of a game should be yellow-carded to send the message out. Uh, what's your view on, on, on that debate? Well, those are two good points that you make. I think, and they're both valid. One is that, uh, uh, you know, Jovingo should focus more on playing and play the whistle, and the referee sometimes get it wrong, like in any sport, you know. Obviously, he's got the reputation now to go down a bit too easily. Sometimes they're fouls, the legitimate fouls that he doesn't get the call on. Get up and play on. You know, I mean, he's got to learn now after three years in North America, He's got to learn that the game here is a bit different. It's uh, a bit more physical. Sometimes you're going to get the call. Sometimes you're not going to get the call. So he's got to do a, a, a lot less complaining and because he could play. I mean, you talk about a player, we we're talking about a mix, mix uh, you know, a, a superstar. And, and Jovingo has those attributes because he's got the skill, he's got the speed, he's got the knowledge to know how to play the game. He's shown it the last three years. And this year, I thought he was he's having probably his best season, other than those, uh, you know, a bit of stupidity in his part, even the last uh, red card that he got. And that's going to punish uh, him and the team. And uh, I think Greg Vanny probably had a few words with him to just uh, just get down to business because he does it very well. Uh, on the referees and on the VAR, which what we call, you know, the 
will be playing some in some uh, questionable calls. And the league has to review that because there's only a couple of leagues that uh, show um, instant replay uh, to to make sure that the goal is a valid goal or if there is a you know red card or not red card. But uh, it went against Toronto a few times. Even even the last goal that they scored last game, I'm not sure if they calling it properly, you know, go, having to go to VAR, uh, they should do it more often in, in some goals because some goals are not uh, legitimate. Some goals are. I thought the last goal that uh, Chapman scored, I think it was, or, or no, it was uh, Ricketts when he came in, that would have made it to nothing. I thought that was valid because it was, he was called, he was in an offside position, but came off, the ball came off one of the defenders, the Orlando defender. In my view, that was a valid goal. So I don't know if they went to VAR at, the, at that point, uh, but I know it was called back in an offside position. But definitely the league needs to review that because the TFC this year has had some bad calls against them. But, you know, that's part of the game, Wally. You know that. Absolutely. Uh, in, in hockey. In, in, I mean, the, in, the, only, the, only, the only complaint I have, in, in, especially in basketball and in, in, in hockey as well, the stars get the calls. They do. Yeah. Uh, the referees, not perhaps not consciously or, or perhaps subconsciously, it's almost sometimes there's there's little bit different rules for the stars, and you don't you don't you know uh, there has to be a certain level of protection. You can't just have you know some some guy who's playing three games a season is going to go out and you know start hacking your superstars. The, the league can't allow that. So are there special rules? Yeah, to a certain extent, there are. You got to protect your stars. You can't you know and if it and if it's borderline you know pull out the red card set the tone at the beginning of the game you want you want to start hacking ankles of your stars there's got to be consequences so i think to that extent uh you know there has to be a different way of of uh of uh of officiating these games but kaimina i know that your coach over there is probably wants you back on the field and uh we we got we got we got to get we got to get you back to your passion there. So on behalf of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, I'll say thank you very much, and uh, you know co- go score a couple of goals on our behalf. It's always a pleasure. <laughs> Take care, guys. Have a great long weekend and. Uh until we hear each other again. Thanks so much. Uh, oh, we got world, we got World Thanks, Cup man. coming up, World Cup in the next couple of weeks. So be in touch real soon, Carmine. We'll do. Okay, take care. Thanks guys. so much. Bye bye. Uh, Naz, on that point, uh, just want your thoughts on it. Um, you know, we, you know, we, you know, soccer, and I'll be blunt, soccer is known for drama. It's almost like, to a certain extent, almost like a part of the culture of the sport. More so in certain countries, I may get myself in a lot of trouble by saying this, more so in certain countries than other countries. And, you know, certain soccer players, you know, they know how to take, they know how to do their Academy Award performances. And we've joked about this for years and years. And, um, but, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes it goes the other way. They take think, shots I, at stars. I think that's with every star, though, not just Jovenko. I think it's with Ronaldo oh, it's, it's, and the yeah. rest of them. Because if they call everything, They'll be filling in the, filling the net with penalty kicks and all sorts of stuff, right? So what do what do you do, Wally? What do you do? Do you kick them out? Well, you know what? If if somebody uh, if somebody's going after you know if some and it happens in in every sport. Um, you know, if you're if you're in hockey and somebody's you know somebody's taking a run at Mitch Marner all game long, 
Somebody's got to step up. And it's happened. Jared did yeah. it to him all, all the right? series. Somebody's long. got a cadre stepped up, and he got two games for it, or three games. Three games, yeah. I can't even remember. Um, so, Jovenko, you know, I you know, I get tired of the, you know, I mean, he is legitimately being what we uh, colloquially call, what we used to call hacked. He's getting hacked out there, right? And, every, and he's every, a little every, guy. Every star does. And so. he gets tired of it, right? And he's a little guy. Yeah. And, you know, you know, and if his teammates can't, Send the message out, then, uh, then, uh, then, uh, then the refs do. Anyways, I'm being given the the wrap up music. Uh, it's time. Uh, uh, another week's gone by. Uh, to all our listeners, uh, I would just wish everybody a safe long weekend. Be careful out there on the water and on the roads. And uh, we'll be back again next Sunday morning. Thanks so much. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.